Hello again, ladies and gents. Uh, welcome back to the AJ Roberts Show. Today we are joined again by none other than the leader of, of the Australia One Party, Mr. Ricardo Bosi. Sir, how are we? Absolutely outstanding, AJ. Thank you for your kind invitation. It's, it's great to have you back on. Um, I know when we spoke last time, there was loads to talk about. Um, we were gearing up towards Christmas and things were pretty rife in Australia, obviously with all the different mandates and um, the stress of you know, that two-year period is oh, still causing in Australia in a number of places. Um, but things were pretty bad when we spoke last time. Um, what sort of uh, updates have you got in terms of, uh, I know different states do different things, but over the general consensus, like how, how has things moved along since we spoke last time? Well, the, the overview is best summed up by one of my favourite fictitious uh, Royal Naval officers, Captain Sir uh, Edward Pellew from the, the, the Hornblower series. Black bloody treason, mate. <laughs> it's what it is. Um, but in a practical sense, then, at, 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 the, uh, at the people's level, I guess, what we said was to them was get through to Christmas, and that was just to give them a point to aim for. They just had to hunker down for that, for that period of time. And then we said that the first three months, the quarter one of next year, was going to be better and worse at the same time. And that's exactly what's occurred. Because it's uh, it's worse in the sense that the lockdowns are still here, the the, the injections are still being um, used, the numbers of uh, injured and dying is skyrocketing, and that is without a shadow of a doubt terrible. Uh, you know, we've got um, miscarriages, stillbirths, babies on the breast dying after mum gets the jab, uh, and now what's coming out now is the fact that they all have AIDS. Yeah, and yes. even that little piece of information is slowly tricking out. Now that's the downside, and it's rough. On the upside, the reason we knew to get better was you and I, and anybody that's that's you know half awake can figure out. There's acres of information about out there about what's really happening, and we know it's the media wall that's stopping it from getting through. Now, six months ago, we, we wouldn't have heard one story in Australia because we are so locked down in terms of news, so locked down. We wouldn't have heard one story against the government's strategies. But what we have been hearing, the great news. The um, every so often now, a story will come out on the mainstream media and it actually criticises the government or it questions the government or you've got sports commentators finally saying, well, look, I'm not an expert, but, you know, we need to talk about this because this guy's got Bell's palsy and that guy's got a heart attack. <laughs> and unlike Europe, where there are hundreds of, hundreds of uh, elite athletes are dying on the spot. That doesn't get any coverage here. If you mm. ask the average Australian, they would know nothing about the deaths in Europe but they're actually doing it. Now, what that's an indication of is that the media system is finally being controlled by somebody other than the black hats, for want of a better word. And as mm. you know, black hat, you know, in the old days, the black and white TV days, the black hats were the bad guys and the white hats were the good guys. That's how you could tell before mm. colour who was good and who was bad. You told the audience. So it's, it's apparent that uh, some of the media system is now coming under white hat control. And that's fantastic news because we've got to slowly reveal the truth to them. Now, there's a point of subtlety here I need to mention. We've got the people who, the normies, the, the non-player characters that watch, watch this stuff and believe it. Um, if, for example, we got the media, people say to me, why don't we just sack them and get somebody else? We can't because they need a trusted face to tell them the story. Because if we got, say, the you know, most popular uh, news presenter on TV and removed them and got somebody they didn't know and they started telling them a whole new story, it would be rejected wholesale. Mm -hmm. So what they have to do is they've got to get the trusted faces who have been lying to us for decades to start telling a new story and the normies will start to wake up. So there's this painful and frustrating but necessary process to allow the truth to come through the crooked people who have been there for a long time. Yeah. And so suddenly that's what's happening. It's worse in the respect that the deaths are still happening, the injuries are still happening. And we're like you, we'll be looking at hundreds of thousands of millions of vaccine injured uh, and dead in Australia. Um, but the good news is the cracks are starting to form in the media wall, and when that does open up, uh, it'll it'll go nuts. Yeah, and do, do you think that's how it has something to do with like the or in correlation the way uh, many states in Australia uh, and including New Zealand are suddenly opening up to like dropping the restrictions and uh, the testing stuff to come in, um, just just like that, like they've done in like Europe and our you know over here in UK has been pretty much open and free that everything just got dropped like that um do you think that's got like a direct correlation to what's going on with uh, in terms of controlling them to get that information out well there's a 
couple of reasons, I think, to that, because there's no logic to it. You know, the alleged COVID spikes are happening and they're still saying, take off your masks and, and wander around. Yeah. Um, I think it's what, they, what they're doing is they're just relaxing it so that people go back to sleep because it's been a very important point of attack that we've had as opposed to just about every other group in Oz. They focus on just the mandates and we're saying, no, no, the mandates aren't the issue. That's part of the issue. The problem is the government. We've got to get rid of the government in its entirety because what they will do is they'll just drop the mandates, relax, but the people that created it will still be in place and they will mm -hmm. relax. Everyone goes back to sleep and they'll, hammer, they'll lock us down even worse. And so our point of attack has been very clear. We ignore the government because in our constitution, the governor general is required and authorized that if the government behaves unconstitutionally, our governor general is required to warn the government. If it continues with its unconstitutional behavior, he is authorized to actually dissolve the parliament in its entirety. Now that's not a big deal because it happens before every election. The government is dissolved and then we have an election. So the process is not a problem. And then after that, what he's authorized to do is appoint for a period of no more than three months, unelected, uh, what is called an executive council in order to do what has to be done. And after three months, they have to be elected. So there is a mechanism in place that the Australian governor general can dissolve parliament, appoint an executive council for a period of three months. And they only have two things to do. One is remove all the COVID mandates and, and lockdowns. And secondary, clean up our electoral system because it is corrupt as, 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 as can be. Yeah. The electoral role is corrupted, the system is corrupted. So clean that up and have the first free and fair election in probably 60, 70 years. So there right. is a way out. But the point of attack from Australia's perspective must be at the Governor General to compel him to do his job and just ignore the parliament. You don't negotiate. You know, hostages don't negotiate with, with the, the hostage takers. It makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. So you ignore them and do that. And so this, this softening of the, the whole uh, COVID mandate is designed to lull the Australians back into their into their sleepwalking state. And unfortunately for about half the population, it's working. But the, the good news is more are starting to wake up. You know, they are saying, I don't want the third jab. I've had a gutful, that's enough. Mm. And, and the, the, the twice jabbed people are finally coming over to our side. Yeah, the, um, I don't know if you saw in the UK that's just come out, um, they just brought out the, the data of the people that didn't have one um, or didn't get a second or a third is like huge. It's nothing like they were saying. It's like way up there in their millions. Um, it's not five percent that you know that they're saying like way before Christmas. It's it's massive. It's like over half. Um, so it just goes to show you that, that the power. And I think you can clearly see the, the kickback the British populations had, uh, especially in England, more so than Scotland and Wales. Um, it's had a big part to play, I think, over this, um, especially the last year. Um, because they tend to try and bring someone in and the kickback's huge, and so they just drop it. Um, and I think a lot of countries watching in, and especially Canada, have had it like really, really hard. Um, I've, I've never seen uh, dystopian measures like it or a tyrannical government in my entire life. And my grandfather, who landed on Juno Beach in D-Day, would literally be turning in his grave, bless him, um, to see what's happened oh, over in, in Canada. Um, and, and I speak to a lot of that, you know, extended family and friends over there about you know their, their experiences over the last like couple of years and it's to see that government that that individual trudeau is still walking around running that country i just it blows your mind doesn't it but it just goes to show the level and the extent of the corruption within this deep state which is very much been controlling the countries as but the infiltrators have been put there like chess pieces by the world economic forum you know to to run these countries um, and you, you mentioned there about the softening of things that people kind of go back down to normal and they suddenly start listening to Boris on the news. The next thing, Bosch, we see what's happening in Ukraine. And then the same people who <laughs> fell for the uh, the COVID narrative suddenly like, you know, plastering yellow and uh, blue flags everywhere and getting uh, all, refugees to come and live with them for £350 a month. It's It just blows your mind, doesn't it? Um, but, yeah. But in terms of the, uh, of the situation in Ukraine, obviously it would have been the same in Australia, showing everywhere what's going on as per their narrative. Um, I saw an interview you did, and you basically hit the nail on the head just saying it's the deep state being cleaned out by Putin. Um, is it all right to just kind of elaborate a little bit on that for the benefit of the viewers and that from a sort of military perspective? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, first up, uh, Putin's cutting the head off the globalist snake. Mm -hmm. And that's, 
And it's interesting because I used that term in that interview. That's what Putin was up to. And I was told recently, and it's funny how things come back to you. There is a Russian, retired Russian admiral whose daughter is married to another friend, whatever. Word got down the line and, and th th he hadn't seen or heard of me. There's no reason why he should. But he said, he was asked by his uh, son-in-law, an Australian, and he said, um, what's going on? And the Russell, retired Russian admiral said, Putin is cutting the head off the snake. He used exactly the same form of words. Now, what does that mean to the people that think that this is simply a border incursion by Russia against the sovereign nation of Ukraine? Not as simple as it sounds. Ukraine is uh, the centre of the globalists. It is the Khazarian Mafia's strong point. It is the centre for um, child sex trafficking, pornography, uh, money laundering, the bioweapons labs. Um, you know, we, nobody knows exactly how many, but well in excess of 12, 15 bioweapons labs. And just by the by, there's an Australian connection because we've got a couple here in Australia as well that the, that the mainstream media won't report on. Because So that's isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's happening. So the bioweapons labs are being cleaned out. And so that's the reason that that's one of the reasons that Putin is there. Then Putin's there for another reason, too, because having NATO, which ostensibly was set up to defeat the Soviet Union, which is now the globalist army. So that's the problem. NATO used to have a good reputation. And now they're nothing but well, there's some foul language I can use to describe them. But NATO aren't the good guys in this in this war. <clears throat> And so NATO's got to make sure that they're not on his border with uh, with weapons. Um, but Putin is not using all his military capability the way he could, mm -hmm. because the, the, the collateral damage to the Ukraine would be too strong. And that's why the war is still going. They are doing this in as far as you can describe it as a, a forensic, in a measured uh, scalpel-like sense. They're going through carefully and quietly. Is damage being done? Yes. You know, are there refugees? Absolutely. But this, if this was a war of destruction, if this was a war of invasion, Putin would not be executing it the way he is. He's doing it slowly. He's doing it carefully. He's minimizing civilian casualties, but he's got to do what he's got to do. And it's, it's in, it's in the, the world's best interest to do it. He is saving all of us by doing exactly what he's doing. Yeah, and again, it, that's not the narrative. It's obviously fed via the, uh, the world media, CNN, BBC's Channel 9, etc. Um, what we see is just endless amounts of fake propaganda videos, um, green screens. It's just like so in your face. I mean, we see it, but like, no, a, lot, a lot of people don't. Um, and so obviously it pulls on the heartstrings and stuff. And, you know, and rightly so, people are kicking back and saying like, Ukraine has been bombing their own people for the last eight years in Donbass and, have, you know, killed up to 14,000 women and children. Um, all at the same time, whilst Syria, Yemen, Iraq, Afghanistan, you know, have all been bombed by NATO. Um, and, you know, where, where's everybody standing up for them? It's just, uh, it's, it just shows you the power that the media can still, it still has on people, the strongholds, uh, you know, is right up there. Um, it, it's you talk, funny, you watch, you, watch the, you watch the people who, are, who came out in favour of the Ukraine, I mean, most people would know where the Ukraine was and what its history was. And all of a sudden, in, in synchro, absolute synchronisation, they all started speaking and you've got, if you line up everybody that's in favour of helping the Ukraine, you realise what you're up against. It is a con job. Just line them up from Pelosi and the rest of them and Biden, whose sons are working in the gas, the gas and oil industry in the Ukraine, through to the, the nations that are lined up against uh, Russia. You can tell it's a con. And why aren't they talking about Yemen and all these other, other conflicts around the, around the planet at the moment? There's any number of conflicts Mm. which are egregious human rights violations, genuine uh, human rights violations, but they're silent on it. But we have to get it all exercised about the Ukraine. Again, it is the media, and that and that media system is holding the truth back. Yeah. And I was explaining to people the other day that um, the cutting the head off of the snake, as you mentioned, you know, bringing down the deep state, cutting off their ties, cutting off their funds and all that kind of stuff that within Ukraine, which they rely so heavily amongst, what do they go and do when they can't get hold of any of their ties and access to all of this? Well, they make up charities and they say, pray for Ukraine, stand with Ukraine. And they get their very own people to chuck all their money into these charities. Where does that money go to? It doesn't go to Ukraine. Yeah, it really does. And look, I don't know what your experience was with this, but the Red Cross, for example, is seen as this wonderful uh, international relief mm. organisation. And we know guns, drugs, uh, and, and um, all sorts of bad things are uh, carried across in, in Red Cross aircraft across North Africa. Um, 
you know, the people are being conned in the most in the most egregious way they really are. And when they wake up, I think they're going to be a little cranky. Yeah, yeah. And again, like when you when you have any kind of war and then you have displacement, you have refugees and all this kind of stuff, like you, you end up with a prime location. You're literally funneling people, just like you're seeing in Ukraine, you're getting all these refugee camps on the edges, but all the males have to stay and fight. You're just creating a funnel for child and child trafficking, people trafficking, drug trafficking, all in one spot. Just hold it there, mate. I leave it there. I'm about to lose battery power. I'll be back in 10. Yeah, so the, um, I mean, everything that's going on with Ukraine and bombs, bullets, video footage um, that we're seeing, um, I said the same thing that I said two years ago, like, ask yourself better questions and you'll get better answers. And I think the questions people need to ask themselves are, Where's the air-to-air -air combat? Where's the footage that we, you know, you, similar footage you would have seen in Afghanistan, Iraq, stuff like that, albeit different sort of sandy countries. But again, the media on the front line, you know, actually getting amongst it. You don't see any of that. All you see is Boris walking for a war zone, which doesn't look like it's been, you know, touched at all um, with, the Ukraine, with the Ukrainian president. And I'm, the fact that it's in your face, I find it bizarre how people still can't work it out. Yeah, it's, um, oh man, I got to tell you, the, the, the response to the people, and this, we might be able to segue here just a little, because people ask me about how we, how we wake up people, because it's so clear to you and to me. Now, we have military background, so we can watch, we can watch it, we know what we're looking for, and we don't see, we, you know, we get a bit suspicious. But it's even beyond just our expertise, because there are areas of expertise for other people. But what I had to explain to people was that you've got, as I said, let's go back to this black hats, white hats thing. And you've got, the black hats just do bad, bad, bad things, right? These are the, the, the elitists and the globalists. And you got the white hats, that are, you know, individuals on a small level like you and me trying to do modestly what we can do, but they're fighting the good fight. They're in there. Now, between them, we have to break it down to explain to people when you're trying to communicate, you've got to, you've got to speak in a language they understand. Now, next to the black hats or the red hats, these are the sociopaths. They, they, they have no compunction of doing anything. They'll just, they'll just do whatever you tell them. Go kill that village. Go wipe them out. These are the sort of the CIA, CIA types that will literally just evaporate a village, kill 100, 200, 300 people, men, women, children, because some, for some reason, they don't even bother asking why. Plane comes in, job does it. Uh, it includes doctors that'll just do what they're told. They don't bother checking because they get a good check when every time they jab somebody with this stuff and they don't care. They are literally um, soulless. Now, is any point talking to a red hat? Well, the only thing that motivates a red hat is watching the black hats going into jail. Because these guys will then start to squeal. They'll change their behavior only to preserve themselves because they're essentially cowards. Mm -hmm. Next to the red hats, you've got the orange hats. Now, the orange hats are the true believers. They're the ones that, in our case, they'll watch the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. It's like your BBC. And, uh, and if it's on the ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, uh, it must be true because, you know, the, you know, because the ABC, they're good people and they've been around for a long time. And these people still think that... Um, Sir Robert Menzies, who was our prime minister for 25 years back in the 60s and 70s, they still think he's the prime minister and doing a bang up job. They're, they're fast asleep. Now, what's going to move the, the orange hats? Evidence of crime, but it's got to come through that same thing. So we've got one of uh, our top current affairs, well, allegedly top, it's actually propaganda programs. We call it well, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. We call it the Australian Bolshevik Collective. And one of their shows uh, is called The 7.30 Report. And Lee Sales, uh, a full-term abortion enthusiast and lefty par excellence, uh, she heads that show up. Now, if she started providing evidence of crime, then people would believe it. And this, this harks back to that uh, story I told you that they have to see the trusted faces told you. So the orange hats will only move towards us and our position when they see evidence of crime, like the, this minister of whatever department was found doing bad things with little children. And they'll be shocked and horrified and it's good that he's gone. So that's how that has to happen. And so you speak to them in a particular way. Then you've got the yellow hats because we're going through the, the color spectrum if you haven't followed so far. Red, orange, yellow. So the yellow hats. Now the yellow hats, goodness me, these are, they don't care. You can show them anything and they don't care. They are so selfish that their whole world is no more than 60 feet from their front, front door. And all they care about is paying their mortgage, getting to... Uh, meeting their obligations, but just leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. Don't, don't, don't make me look at anything. Don't disturb me because my comfortable life, my comfortable life has to remain comfortable. And, and I literally do not care what happens next door. They will just turn away. 
And unfortunately, and this isn't just a shot at the Australians because it's about 50% of our country, are yellow hats. They don't care. They literally could not care if babies were being raped. They would say, that's okay, back on my kitchen rules. Um, and that's not just Australia because this is human nature. It really is. It's human nature. Um, do you think this is? Um, do you think this is how? Like, just shows the sheer level of how our society has been dumbed down, and our level, the level of consciousness has been really dropped in people because it's easier to create that within people. You know, when yeah. when we're dumbed down, it's put people in a two D reality, which is exactly what's happened. Well, that's it. And, and there's two parts of this, and I hope I can remember it when I get through it because it's the fragmentation of conscience is what it's called. Now, any system starts at one point and finishes somewhere else, and it's broken down. Division of labor makes sense. Got it. But at some point, somebody has to say, hang on a minute, is what I'm doing in this process right? And let me give you a personal example. The, uh, we were contacted by our banks just in the last week, and they are closing our accounts. All of them, business, private, you got it. And we said, why is that? And they said, well, section 1.4 point something on our, on our, on our uh, policy stock document. I said, can you send me a copy of that? This conversation took place today. And the gentleman said, oh, no, I can't do that. It's private. <laughs> I said, come on. I've been with you for nearly 30 years. I'm a few months shy of 30 years. And I'll give the name of the organization. It's called the Defense Bank, allegedly looking after defense members and their families, right? So the Defense Bank. I joined it just after June in 1982, and here we are, 2022, and for no reason, they're shutting all my accounts. Now, is it a coincidence we're about to enter a general election? Is it a coincidence that I'm the leader of Australia One? Is it a coincidence I'm now the, the, um, the candidate for the seat of Greenway, which is the name of um, my electorate? Is it a coincidence that if they shut down my banks, I can't drive, drive down the road because there's an e-toll? I can't buy groceries. I can't. I can't uh, search for get, uh, appeal for donations. Is it a coincidence? Now, when people hear the story and they say, "Oh, Bozy's bank account's been shut down," they'll respond in any number of ways. And this is this fragmentation of conscience. They'll say, "Oh, well, you know, it, it's got nothing to do with me. It's got nothing to do with me." Or they'll say, "Well, he deserves it because he's a lunatic." And you can go through all the possible responses. You might even get angry. And so, and uh, and so, you've got this. This group of responses and people will say, oh, I'll just be quiet. They'll, if they can do it to him, they'll do it to me. So I better be quiet. What they don't realize is if they're going to do it to me, they're going to do it to you. <laughs> I'm a bigger target than, than, uh, than you are. Not you, AJ, but, you know, the average guy out there. But if they're going to crush me, they're going to crush you in a second. That's why the digital currency is so important. So they can switch it off. Yeah. They can switch it off and just literally make you broke and starve you to death. And that's what they're doing now. Back to this fragmentation of conscience. People in that process have a choice. They can either ask, is what I'm doing correct or is it wrong? And if it's wrong, if I say something, I now risk my livelihood. So I'm not going to say anything or I'm going to stand up and do something. So that's they fragment the conscious. The second part is, and you touched on it, the, the consciousness has dropped because morality, simple morality is, is knowing the right from wrong. You know, practical morality, is that right? Yes, it is. Is that wrong? Yes, it is. And there might be a gray area in the middle, but there is. there are some things just right and some things just wrong. And it comprises two parts. One is knowledge. You've got to know things, which requires a, 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 an inquiring mind to actually ask yourself, as you quite rightly say, the better questions. Is this right? So you've got to know and understand. So sitting back and watching TV for 14 hours a day is not going to help you out. The second part of practical morality is action. Because it's one thing to know about it, but it's another thing. You, then you've got to do something. Now, the point I'm making here is we've ceased to be a moral people because people either don't know it's right and wrong, courtesy of the, the dumbing down. Uh, and even if they do know the difference between right and wrong, the lack of action makes them an immoral people. Now, what Australia has become, unfortunately, because, and I ask people this question when I'm doing my speech, the speeches, and I say, do you think Australia is a moral country? And there's, there's an uncomfortable silence. And I say, well, we have the worst full-term abortion laws on the planet where you can kill a baby at the point of birth, sell the body parts, doesn't get a birth certificate, doesn't get a death certificate. And this is legal in, in five of our six states. And people sort of shuffling uncomfortably in their chairs. And I say it gets worse because what they want to now do is not grant personhood to newborns until they are two years of age. So at the moment a baby is born for two years, 
You can eat them, you can have sex with them, you can kill them. It doesn't matter because they're not people. Now, this idea was has been promoted in Australia for years by a gentleman called Mr. Peter Singer, alleged bioethicist in Australia, who was given the highest honour, uh, Australian honours system, a companion of the Order of Australia. And uh, I think he got an AC or an AO. Either way, he got one of the highest honours that we get. Every you know, Queen's birthday or whatever, the honours come out, he got the highest one courtesy of our abortion-loving Prime Minister, Julie Gillard. And so if a country kills its babies for profit, we are no longer a civilization. We are now a pre-biblical barbaric society. Now, it doesn't matter what other policies a, a political candidate promotes. It doesn't matter what the GDP is. It doesn't matter the interest rates. If we are killing babies, it is done. We are finished. Australia will cease to be, and we will have survived uh, for 40,000 years with our First Nations people and 200 and something years as a, as a Western civilization, and we will evaporate and be a, a typographical error in the history of the world because we were given everything that we could possibly need to succeed as a nation. We have immense size, resources, land, rich land, rain and sunshine and floods and everything we need. We have a, a world-beating culture, the Western civilization, which is which has been the most benevolent, most productive, most generous civilization that's ever existed. And yet we tossed it all away. It's, it's absolute madness. It is. And I mean, when you say tossed it away as well, a lot of it's also been sold away because you've got people like Dan Andrews has pretty much sold off Victoria to the Chinese and, you know, the, where they've purposely acquired all that land through fires and stuff like that to create smart cities. But again, this is all stuff that's in people's faces. The information is there, but it's only going to be when they're like, sorry, you need to get out of your house. We, we want your house, you know, a railway or, or a smart railway or smart roads coming through here. You've got to move to a smart city. It's only when it affects them personally that they actually pay any attention. And nine times out of 10, it's usually too late. Yeah. And it's not just Dan Andrews. Dan Andrews is, is he's the, he's the poster child for, left-wing lunacy uh, but the entire federal parliament and every state parliament in the country is is, is in on this because nobody's speaking out and if they do they're impotent in fact one of the local mps down here they said to him you know what are you going to do about it? he said oh nothing i'm not i'm not in the parliament i'm just a member of parliament I mean, i'm not i'm not part of the government rather and so they said this so they're all in on it mm. and and so this election we've got coming up in four weeks time man oh man i've got to tell you people ask me well what's the point you know you you're only got a handful of people we're running as independents. We're not running under the Australia One banner because actually political parties are unconstitutional. But we've got um, nine confirmed now candidates. It might go as high as 12. I'm waiting for the last numbers to come in so we can contest it. And people are worried, saying, you can't do anything. What's an independent going to do? And I just laugh and think, you're kidding me, right? Because are we going to, after all I've said publicly, do you think I want to sit here and negotiate with satanic, satanic ritual abusing pedophiles? No, of course not. I'm not going to sit there and guarantee supply. I'm going to get into Parliament and tear the place down from the inside, kick the door open, let everybody in, and then we can start again, have our constitutional convention, a clean mm -hmm. election, and start over. And and you mentioned your was it your granddad yeah. your, who landed at Juno Beach? Yeah. Well, that's the analogy I use all the time. This election is our landing at Normandy. Now, did they expect to be in Berlin on the 7th of June, 1944, after they landed on the 6th? Absolutely not. They're all, and I said to the team beforehand, what's our objective? To win as many seats as possible. Now, that could be one seat. And that's fine. That's a toehold. That's our toehold on Normandy, on Juno. And then we reinforce and reinforce, and then we, we, we make our way across, you know, metaphorically speaking, make our way across Europe. But I'll tell you what, we'll go through Europe, we'll bypass Russia, we'll wave to Vlad on our way past, we'll say hello to him, and head straight to, straight to, uh, to Beijing. And that's the fight we have to have. And, I, and they look at me surprised, and I explain to them, imagine what I would be like with parliamentary privilege, which means I can say anything I like and not held, be held legally accountable. Yeah. It's not going to be pretty, but it's going to be a lot of fun because the truth is going to come out. And we're going to get in and we're going to get the truth out to the Australian people. And you know what? People tell me, oh, you've got to do it carefully because, because the people won't be able to handle the truth. And I said, really? And then explain to me how many babies have to die before I, I stop caring about an adult that behaves like a child. You know, 30, 40, 50-year-old people that are too afraid to face the truth. Well, I'm sorry, for every, every day that you are delaying, that's another 
how many kids dying because you're a coward. So I'm sorry, I'm not a politician, I'm a soldier. We don't negotiate, we take our targets. That's my job. Mm. And then by, <laughs> by then, the crowd is on board, they understand what's going on and why. And this election, I've got to tell you, AJ, look, let's let's talk over the next four weeks because it'll be fun, but election night, let's do a bit of a special, let you know how it went because uh, if we get just one of us in, the world is over for the globalists in Australia. Yeah, amazing. I, and I generally, generally hope you do, obviously, having lived on, you know, the Gold Coast for almost three years and seeing what's happened over there and, and obviously being partly Canadian as well and seeing what's happened over in Canada. None of it's obviously been showed on any of the mainstream media here in the UK, so it's been quite difficult to watch. Um, but doing it doing it the way you're doing it is exactly that. You you know, using a position like that to show the people what's really going on is, you know, is, is very, very powerful. Um, I've got a friend here in the UK who's running for a local MP independently for that reason. Um, fantastic lady, you know, she's been through the mill herself, uh, actually used to work for a couple of globalists so I know what this knows what the score is um, and wants to you know pretty much use the position and rightly so so uh, as she put it almost be that really annoying mosquito that they can't get rid of like it's just there all the time but that mosquito's drop like literally dropping the truce everywhere by using the position so it's exposing the corruption you know from a local level uh, and a national level um, and it's it's a fantastic idea, and you know, I'm gonna back her to the hills as does uh, everybody else who can see the good work she's doing. And it's exactly that, like yourself, you know, position leader Australia as, as an independent with your background. Was it 22, 22, 24 years? Was it in the uh, in the military and SAS yeah, in Australia? 20. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, you know that that that's kind of unrivaled in terms of the actual within the actual government what you bring with that because. You bring so much experience to the table, um, but also a calm collective because you know what it's like in the military. You get taught, you get drummed into you, don't you? Know, like to take a step back and assess the situation and not make stupid decisions. Ask the right questions, um, and you'll get the right answers. And there's not really I, I don't see anyone else doing that. There's another aspect of that too, because just occasionally I'll have a a moment where I, my language gets very salty. And I'll adopt the uh, the persona of a very cranky RSM. And people think, oh, my God, Ricardo's lost it. He can't control his temper. And they don't get it. They really don't get it. Because what they're used to are these mealy-mouthed, spineless politicians that say yes to everybody. And if I'm speaking to some union leader whose sole objective is to destroy the nation, I'm going to fucking rip his, rip his face off and tell him to his face. In fact, I was talking about the, the mm. Transport Workers Union. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of unions because there are some bad companies out there and the Labor has every right to organise to protect their, their, themselves. I've got no problem with that. But I, I got stuck into the Transport Workers Union here because they won't say a word about the deaths from the COVID shots. They won't say a thing about the businesses that are crashing and burning because the economy is being destroyed, but they'll go on strike for $2.75 or whatever the hell it is, uh, pay rise. So I got stuck and called a bunch of cocksuckers. Now, this is unheard of language. I mean, this is not erudite. This is gutter speak. But what they don't understand is, and you do, when you're dealing with leadership, the highest form of leadership is, you know, to, to, to lead with the informed consent of the team. Make sense? Yeah. But what they don't understand is when you're dealing with animals, it's good to be feared. And I've got to tell you, there's a big chunk of that going on. They have to be terrified of me. When we walk into a room, because I'll drag their sorry asses in front of the meeting and say, you see this guy? This guy doesn't care about you and your kids. So get the fuck out of my office and send somebody who actually cares about the people. Mm. Now, who the hell speaks like that? Nobody. They shouldn't. It's inappropriate. It diminishes the message. It's, oh, yeah, no kidding. Really? Well, when babies are dying and you're concerned, not you, but if someone's more concerned about whether I speak with rounded vowels or my language gets a bit salty, I don't have time for that. We're saving a country. That's our mission. Our mission isn't to get elected. Australia won. Purpose, to save Australia. Method, to help every Australian reach their highest individual potential so collectively all can participate in the reformation of Australia. End state, and you'll get this purpose method, end state, it's military planning. End state, Australia is a moral, sovereign, self-reliant Christian Western democracy, which is economically powerful, militarily intimidating, politically free, socially cohesive, and culturally vibrant. And that's what we work to. We're clear as day on this stuff. And it's so cool having that, that focused uh, attention. Everybody in the team gets it. They understand it. And uh, man, oh, man, <laughs> watch this space. It's going to be fun.
Yeah, no, and exactly that that focus is the thing that's key. Whereas like all I, all I see in a lot of places is pe- people just plod along. There's no there's no end end state in, in a lot of things. Um, one of the things I well I've seen with my own eyes over the last two years, and uh, a lot of close um, friends have, is just the, the size and the magnitude of everything that's been happening in the world uh, on a spiritual sense. Now, as military men. Um, I know, especially for myself, and I, and I talk about this on my talks. Like, if I talked in a group of guys on exercise, whatever, say, yeah, yeah, so I was, I was wanting to, you know, talk about spirituality and that, they'd laugh you out the door because it's just like, it's not the said thing, is it? It's just never, <laughs> never even heard of. But yeah, we, correct. We, but we can clearly see just the magnitude of how big this spiritual war is on this planet, which is literally light versus dark. Um, which you know it doesn't it doesn't matter what religion you're in it is literally higher power versus satanic demonic realms which are amongst us and again it's another big pill to swallow if you you've never experienced anything like that or you know mm. you think it's a load of bullshit while you're sat there watching soap operas and love islands and all the rest of it um well you're, you're exactly on the money because whenever i do my talks i always start with the our father yeah. You know, first people, I mean, I'm sure people are perplexed. On the one hand, I'm a thrice married, foul mouthed ex soldier, and I'm, you know, I'm saying the Our Father before I kick it off. Well, you know, welcome to the club. You know, there's plenty of room for hypocrites and sinners, and so you know, that's the way it works. Hmm. But the point is this I mean, and I don't know what your experiences are, but you live your life long enough, you don't have to believe in God because I've had enough experience to know that He's there. I mean, actual real experiences. So hmm. it's not a matter of faith for me anymore. Yeah, you know, I've had, and if you, I'm, I'm lucky, I'm 62. I've had a good, challenging life. Big things have happened, bad things have happened, good things have happened. But the point is, uh, I know it's there, and that's why I kick off with the Our Father every time I, I, I start, and then we get stuck into the work that's got to be done. And uh, there's a couple of reasons why I do it. One, because we can't do anything without God. And and look, and for those of you who are, and it's only a small percentage, but let me just talk about that because this is fun too. I love doing this. Um. You know, leave, leave God out of it, whatever. So, well, hang on, why should I do that? When 50, over 50% of this country is nominated as Christian, another 70, another 20% believe in a higher power. So there's 70% of the country already. Then you've got maybe 10, 20 who are not quite sure and 10 that are, are you know, rabid atheists. So already, just from a straight practical sense, saying that is good politically, but that's not why I do it. But then I say to them this, if you do your research, you're going to find, you're going to be shocked because on the one hand, you've got the biblical literalists who are going to find out that that's ah, not all the word of God. There's some stuff in there that is really challenging. And I say, go read the book by uh, Paul Wallace called Escaping It, and you'll find out that the history of mankind is very different to what you've been told. Now, having said that, the evolutionists up this end, the Darwinians that believe it, I say, you're in for a shock too. Because Darwin's the premise of Darwin's uh, major work, The Origin of Species, was predicated on the fact that natural selection and, and mutation would create new species. Now, there's, there's, there's little doubt that it can refine an existing species, like the, you know, the brown sparrow is better camouflaged against the trunk of the wood than the pink sparrow. So the pink sparrow is going to get eaten by the hawk, doesn't procreate, the brown sparrows live, procreate and produce more, more brown sparrows. And so that, it affects it that way. But the origin of new species, and this is really, it's a, it seems like a fine academic point, but it's really important. The origin of species is inexplicable using Darwin. And they knew that. He knew it when he finished his book. And, and, and the whole Darwinian theory about new species was killed mid-last century, but people are still taught that. Yet you go to a book called The Return of the God Hypothesis by Dr. Stephen Meyer. Now, I bet you I'm the only political <laughs> candidate on the planet that reads Stephen Meyer's books. But this guy is a, a scientific philosopher. He has mastered a range of uh, scientific disciplines in order to sit back and look at the big picture. And the, and the book, The Return of the God Hypothesis, the, the shortest summary of this is extraordinary. It's lovely. The most plausible explanation, and this is from, you know, hardcore atheist scientists, materialists that have no desire to believe in a high power. This is, if you follow the, the blind, pitiless maths of it, or the cosmology, or the biology, you look at any of that, the most plausible explanation for the creation of the universe 13.8 billion years ago, and the creation of life on Earth 4 billion years ago, is a transcendent intelligent, powerful intelligence, and that means outside of space-time energy and matter, like is outside of it, and just getting your head around, that's fun. Is outside of space, energy, time, and matter, and not just that God created the universe and then let it run it on its way, because that's a deistic model. 
the theistic model, where he is actually involved on a daily basis in our lives. And that's what the science and mathematics says. So I just sit back and smile and go, okay, fellas, you don't have to pray. This isn't about you know, proselytizing for Christianity, but you might want to have a look at it because I tell you what, I see his hand at work every day in a real practical sense, not sort of like uh, something lucky happens, I get a green light and God's letting me get through. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking, the, I'm talking about um, absolutely inexplicable events that could not have happened except. Mm. And so it's cool. And so I'm right there with you. And, the, and that's part of the job we, of what we're doing is helping people re, raise consciousness to become, to become something that we used to be. But again, mm. it's, it's no way about God at this stage. Let's just, write, let's just focus on morality. And that's why our first objective in our end state is a moral people. Because if we're a moral people, everything else can follow. If we're not moral, nothing else matters. And so that's what we're working on, getting people to understand there is right and wrong and you have to make up your own mind and then you've got to do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you touched on there with the consciousness and stuff. Um, and I've been talking about a lot recently about like transcending from two, your 2D reality into 5D. And people are like, what the hell is this? How do you get there? Like, is, this, <laughs> is, it like a, is there a special course you've got to do and stuff like that? And it's, again, but people think like that because of their perception of what that means because of what they've seen on netflix and disney and uh xboxes and tiktoks and all the rest of it um they yeah. those very things have been put there by design to make you think that and it keep you in that 2d reality but when you transcend to that 5d you literally see everything like your eyes are wide open i, I love that clip from the matrix which we know is a documentary um not a movie um <laughs> And yeah. where he says, like, oh, my eyes, uh, my eyes are so pain my painful. And he says, it's because you haven't used them. And it's exactly what's happened to most of the world. So, again, just trying to raise that level of consciousness in people. And you can see it happening. Um, it is getting bigger and better. People are asking more questions. I wouldn't have had this conversation about spirituality, you know, a few years ago in the military. So even my personal level of spirituality and level of consciousness has risen dramatically. Um, and keeps going and it's, and it's a fantastic ride as uh, you know exactly like you say there you you, you feel it every day um what's your kind of what, what would your advice be for people to explore that a little bit more or just get a bit of better understanding it's um that's a really good question because everybody's journey is so very different mm. and i've heard stories of, of literal sociopaths killers who on on pure logic because they met they met this one guy they killed it tried to kill his father uh, and he was locked up and uh, he shared a cell with a, uh, a Christian who was also in jail for doing bad things, but he converted to Christianity. And the sociopath, like most of them, um, valued his capacity for unemotional logic. And he, and he just kept hammering this Christian with, with logical questions by the end of it. Based on the logic, he said, well, this must be true. And so everyone's journey is different. Um, C.S. Lewis, who wrote uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which the Narnia the story is based on, he was an atheist. And again, just from a, an analysis point of view, he eventually said, basically, well, either Christ was a lunatic or the son of God. I mean, there's no middle ground. Saying he was a nice uh, spiritual teacher is irrelevant. The world's full of spiritual teachers. He's either genuinely a lunatic or he was the son of God. And so anyway, he went and he converted. The... Um, one of the, uh, is, I don't know if he's one of the actors, or the extras, or somebody behind the camera on the movie of The Passion of the Christ at the end of the making of the film converted to Christianity. So everyone's journey is so different. Mm. Best advice I can give, and it's, it sounds odd, but just look for him. Look for God. God will present himself. And I use the, the male gender because, you know, I'm an old man. That's what I was taught. I get it. There's no male, female. So don't hammer me on that. Don't be a pinhead. Be smarter than that. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the listeners. But ask for him. Just ask. And it, it will be amazing what will happen. And it will scare you. Mm. It, it becomes frightening. You know, the phones are open. Call now. No waiting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it, Literally, that's the best thing you can do. And what's going to be interesting is this is the time for some that, that consciousness to rise because the pain that we're about to go through is beyond anything the world has ever experienced. This is a, a war without precedent, a war for the world. We know mm -hmm. that. And the war's been fought, but we won't. It's an odd war. I can't remember who said it because the casualties won't be revealed until after the war is over. Mm. 
And as I said, in Oz, the numbers are hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions will be vaccine damaged. And then we have to help as many as we can. Now, we, we will be able to help many, but not everybody. And mum and dad, when they find out that they've just killed their kids or their kids have got AIDS, you can imagine they're going to go crazy, which is mm. a sound psychological response to what's just occurred. And unfortunately, some people are going to need, they will be forced to find God because they are so desperate. And that's another route. It's not the best route. It's a very unpleasant way. But eventually, life becomes too much. And you just say, please, God, if you're there, answer me. And I tell you what, if you do that, folks, man, you'll be surprised at the response. Mm. And at the end of the day, you mentioned it there about potential injuries and stuff like that. If you got, you look at it two ways, you know, you ask the higher power for help or you ask the very same government or doctor that done the damage in the first place that you trusted for help, you know, which way do you want to go? Yeah. And that, that's, literally, that, that, that's literally the way I look at it because they're the people running the show that has put you into that, you know, mental and psychological state in the first place and confused you and dumbed you down um, mm. for people, you know, to make the, the, the decisions that people have made. Um, so, yeah, that, you know, absolutely fantastic advice. Like it's uh, absolutely hit the money. I'd, on. Get, I'd, I'd give you one, one more tip for people who are listening to this and, and are considering this idea because there are a lot of bad roads you can go down. Every culture on the planet is comprises material and, and non-material inputs. Material inputs be, would be like the geography, the weather. You know, if you live on a luscious island with, with, with palm trees and bananas and coconuts and life is good, that's going to form your, inform your culture. If you live in the desert where life is tough and there's no food and water, that'll inform your culture. So material things. Then there's the non-material aspects that contribute to a culture. And these are things like the language, the subtlety of the language. And I think I might have mentioned before, the beauty of the English language is that it's been so influenced by so many other languages that we have multiple words for many things. We have meat, we have beef. Why? Because one's English and one's French. But there's a subtlety there. There are some languages that are very blunt. And the net impact on the individual of that is literally the neural nets that are created in the head because you've only got very blunt language. It reduces the, the horsepower of the brain. Now, at the center of every culture, on the planet, and you can check it out, at the very center, the one that actually sets the course for its success or otherwise are their spiritual beliefs. And if you can look at that, you look at every culture, what are their spiritual beliefs, and then look at what they have created in their time on earth. And at one end, you'll have death and destruction, and the other, you'll have uh, benevolence and generosity. Now, and I'm boosting for, for the Western Christian civilization here because it is, without shadow of a doubt, the greatest culture on earth. Because at the heart, it doesn't mean it doesn't make mistakes, of course it does. But at its heart, the, Christian, the Western Christian civilization has the Christian philosophy. Turn the other cheek. And, you know, morality. <laughs> Here's a quick lesson in morality. Barbarism. And the first genius came up with an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Proportionality. That makes sense. Wait, a, wait, a, wait another long time. And then somebody turned around and said, turn the other cheek grace and forgiveness okay and there's morality and this is what christ came up with grace and forgiveness and so the the, the west and that's why our end state includes specifically a uh, a christian western democracy because you take the christian bit out even if you're not a christian that's not the point here please you know everyone listening be be clear if you take the christian bit out and leave it empty well then you have a non-religious culture and let's look in history and see what the, what the most recent non-religious cultures did. Well, Nazism and communism killed 100 million in 100 years. Well done. Good job. So no culture doesn't work. But the Christian one, and here's where the Brits get a pat on the back. You know, two cheers for the British Empire. Um, William Wilberforce, one of your MPs, the man who was central in the abolition of slavery in the UK, man of immense depth of character, who drove this thing through. He and his team and the people behind it eventually persuaded the English Parliament to spend half of their GDP paying off the sugar barons whose wealth was based on the slave trade. And so, you know, the, the, the slave traders and the slave owners said, you can't do that because that's part of our business. And my God, what other, what other government in, in, the, in global history, except the Brits, the good old Brits, God, I love you guys. You are fantastic. I mean it. Who else would sit and say, yeah, fair enough, I'll tell you what, we're going to pay you off for all your slaves because human life 
is intrinsically valuable, whether you're black, white, tall, short, fat, thin, smart, or dumb. And so they freed the blacks and said, away you go. Because then this is this Christian ideal that every one of us has the divine spark. We are made in the image of God, meaning that we have that intrinsic value. Our lives are intrinsically valuable. And so the Brits did it. So what other nation on earth has freed slaves like that? None. The Americans had to go to war over it. Not only, I think it was 1.6% of Americans actually owned slaves. And so you've got, was it 98.4% didn't own slaves. So guess what? The whites aren't all that bad. And what about the 300,000 white boys that died freeing American slaves? So this is history that people should know. Yeah. If it wasn't for the British Empire, if it wasn't for the American Revolution, my God, can you imagine? And these are two profoundly Christian civilizations, the centerpiece of benevolence on the world, the most generous, the most productive, the kindness. And that's why it's important that we come back to this. So as, you, as people start to explore their spirituality, be careful where you go. Have a look at what actually the ideas that you're exploring produced. Have a, and, and, and forget the interpretations, you know, because I'm a pretty straightforward Christian. Um, I look at Christ's words and actions and I try to follow him as best I can because all the rest is just interpretation. You know, don't eat meat on Fridays. You know, okay, whatever. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. Live the life. Walk in his sandals for a bit mm. and you'll find out he was the best of us. We had a shadow of a doubt. He was the best of us. No, no man on in the history of the world has more beneficially affected every life on this planet no and, and, and i totally agree and um yeah again it's, it's something that i i'm on a journey with in a very good way every single day and it's uh it, it, it's paid massive uh effect for me personally you know especially for the last year going around the country doing talks i've been talking about it quite a lot you know my own experiences you know how it, you know, it shows up and stuff like that and it's um it, it's been crazy and i I know there's probably a lot of uh, friends in Australia uh, and, and Kiwis as well who, who know me from what, when I lived there seven years ago. I'd be like, "What the hell?" Um, <laughs> but it's a good it's it, it's a good thing because like you know because of this, I get up every day and I'm, my energy levels are so high. I literally get up day and I'm just like, "Boom, who are we helping? What are we doing?" And it's all real positive, like just gleaming light every day. You know instead of being in that cult bullshit culture that they want us in these globalists in our countries i'm very much like no uh, i'm going to be over here where it's like much lighter much happier um and i was saying to my wife you know me personally despite all the murder death kill destruction that we're seeing everywhere and the bullshit the propaganda the negativity the evil i'm probably the happiest i've ever been yeah oh without a, yeah absolutely i've never been busier i've never been more you know this is hard work, but I've got to tell you that there's no no even hint of quitting here. None. Because mm. look, as soldiers, we know there are fates worse than death. We know that. And that was our job. What's what's the risk? You know, you'll get whacked. Okay, we're fine. Because we know there's something more important than us. Whatever form it takes, whatever our understanding of it might be, there are worse things that worse things than death. And that's mm. why, you know, we move fearlessly forward. Are we going to survive? Who knows? Who cares? Doesn't matter. We've got a job to do. And it's a good job. Yeah. My, uh, yeah. Massive job. But, you know, I've, I've already believed that job is uh, going well and, and we're winning, you know, in, yeah. in the long term. You, know, you can see it all around us. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm very confident. I'm very relaxed, notwithstanding the battle we're about to have. And again, it is, it's not unlike data. I've got to tell you, this is um, the likelihood of success is low. The likelihood of death is high. But you've got to do it. We move forward. And I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm so confident that we're going to win this. And it's not going to take as long as people think. Mm. It really won't. Um, and the A1 people, the, the, it's quite extraordinary. Like the UK, I guess, a lot of people have lost their family and friends because they, they had this massive disagreement over the whole COVID thing. Yeah. And what Australia One has invariably done is people come up and say, it's amazing, I've lost my real family, but I've a new one here at A1. And, and, and we can, it's, we just talk and there's, there's that meeting in the minds where we're of a, of a same mindset. But what I find really uh, fascinating is the, the broad spectrum of people who have come to us. And I literally get people come up and we've got the, the Rastafarian with the, with the dreadlocks and, and, the, and the Chumbi and he's, hey man, I love your policies, man, I love it. 
And at the other end, I've got the, the blue blazer wearing straight back conservative. Well done, son. That's an excellent job you're doing. And then I get a cocky from Central Australia. Uh, who's a Cooper hat shows reveals he's been under the sun for at least 50 years on his horse. And, you know, like a laconic Australian just goes, well done, mate. And that's about it. And everything in between. It is literally this cross section of Australian people who love the country, love their families. They're just the decency and generosity is extraordinary. And they're brought together by this wonderful idea that it's all centered on us, the people. Sovereignty comes from us and we should direct and make our decisions about how we live our lives. And it's so attractive. It's, it's, a, it's quite a, it's quite an exciting time. And I see these people and I know what, you know what, we're going to be fine. We are, and we, and I've said this before, for us, we know this is about a three or four generation job. Um, it, you know, it's going to take 75 to 100 years to get the last cockroach gone and to free and elevate the, the minds, the bodies, the, the emotions, the, the, the mental state, the psychological state, the spiritual state. There's five metrics by which we calculate this to get people back to where they, in fact, once at once were and yeah. can be again, but even better now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I'm seeing it with my own eyes. Um, you know, that's getting bigger uh, and better, and everyone's experiencing it at the same time. And like you said, there, you know, so many people feel like they've lost their biological sort of families, um, but now have new ones. And I've seen that week in, week out by doing the tour of our talks around the UK, all these communities welcoming us in and the togetherness that they have. And there's not a single ounce of negativity anywhere. It's just like the, the level of vibration is so high in the energy. And it's the same in every place we do our talks as well. You can just feel it in the room. Uh, I did a, a live show a few weeks ago with a former professional footballer, uh, Matthew Letizia, who's been quite outspoken. Um, and he's been ridiculed by the press. He lost his job on Sky Sports. Um, you know, he's been through the whole mill. And we did a live show like, in front of a, a big crowd. Uh, and there was a reporter there as well uh, who actually did a really good write-up on it. Um, and the the we're talking about the media are suddenly like dropping things now. The, uh, the the media were paraphrasing things that he said in the newspapers, and I was like, "This is amazing." I was like, "That people are suddenly people are suddenly gonna, people are suddenly going to go." Well, hang on a minute, I think he's on something here, <laughs> and and then want to explore more. And they were just putting links to like all the podcasts and everything that we did. It was like phenomenal. Um, so yeah, it, exactly that. People are now really starting to well, hang on a minute, and that that level of you know energy and vibration uh, and positivity between all communities is just getting bigger and bigger and it's a, it's a absolute pleasure to be a part of and pleasure to see like 100 and you know you're seeing it all the time yourself um i want to take this opportunity to thank you for taking the time out your busy schedule uh, i know it's evening over there um still suiting and booted as smart as ever um but thank you again for coming on the, the show ricardo it's been an absolute pleasure and I, I know full well that everyone watching this would have got so much out of it the way you articulate your message is like phenomenal and can totally see good things happening for yourself and, uh, and the Australian one and, you know, and all the people that, you know, surround you. Uh, so thank you very much. Oh, AJ, mate, absolute pleasure. I mean it. And give us a call. Um, we'll let you know how we're going over the next few weeks. The election is going to be held on the, the 21st of May, 21st, I think it's 21st of May. And uh, it's going to be a, a rollicking four weeks. I can tell you because, a lot, they say a day, it was a week, it was a long time in politics, a lot can happen. Well, in four weeks, man, oh man, this is going to be uh, fascinating. Here's a little prediction. I think there's going to be a catastrophic collapse in the support for the major parties, which in our, in our case are the Liberals, which are the alleged Conservative Party, Labor, which is Labor, the Nationals, which is the alleged rural, but it's not really, and then the Greens, which we know are just communists in, in, in disguise, and uh, the United Australia Party. All the major parties will be a massive collapse because it's, they think it's they think it's politics as usual, but it's anything but. It is anything but. The, and just to get a bit technical now, the Rustodons that used to support the two major parties, Labor and Liberal, they used to hover around the 33%. So 33% yeah, here, 33% there, and you got somewhere 40, a little less than 40% of the swingers in the middle trying to figure out that's where they were trying to, the, the majors were trying to catch the, the win the election. But the Rustodons now have dropped well between below 20%, and that's the death zone. These guys are dead. In fact, their name, the, the, their, their uh, logos are so rancid that even the candidates who are running under them don't have the, the, their lo the Labour logo or the Liberal logo on their core flute posters. 
they don't have it at all. They just have the name. And, and so we know that. So there's a chance that um, we're going to have some success. And as I said, mate, we just need one on the, on the beach in Normandy and then the whole empire comes down. So mate, thank you very much for having me and give me a call. I'm happy to come back anytime, AJ. Absolute pleasure. Amazing. And, and you know, we, we all wish you the best of luck. And uh, we hope, you know, that that seat becomes, you know, many seats uh, moving forward. So you can, you know, be very, very mission driven and we can carry out that, that end state. Um, but guys and girls, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Hope you got a lot out of it. If you haven't done so already, please share this with at least one friend um, who can, you know, get some light out of this show um, to take them out of the darkness. But for myself, Ricardo, I'll see you very soon on the AJ Roberts show.